he looked at me and said, all right, you want to be president? Why don't you go out there and act like you're president and we'll see how it goes. And I went charging out of his office. Uh, no title. He didn't name me president. No additional compensation or comp plan. Uh, but I had permission, an opportunity. I connected with the teams and I said, how can I help? Now when I promote internally, I'm looking for people who don't need the title to lead. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hey there, Lead the Team Nation. Welcome back to another great episode. I have a date for you, Ron Elvestuffer who is the president and CEO at Service Express. Now, in case you're not familiar with Service Express, they are an industry-leading data center solutions provider specializing in multi-vendor maintenance, hybrid cloud, and managed infrastructure services. And they have, by the way, the highest net promoter score in the world in their specific industry. Now, during Ron's 25 years of ongoing leadership at Service Express, he expanded the company's international footprint, through nine acquisitions. I mean, acquisition city and turned a U.S. team of 15 into a global team of a thousand. And Ron, by the way, has helped grow the company's revenue from 3 million to 300 million and is on track to achieve its goal of 500 million in 2025. I'm just dropping my pen right here, man. I can't believe that. Holy smokes. What an intro. Ron, thank you for joining us on Lead the Team today. Hey, Ben. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I mean, you're just you're just like hitting home run after home run. Uh, you know what's interesting <laughs> on the journey? I've been here a long time. I'm I'm in my 25th year, going to my 26th year. And uh, what's interesting is it's not a bunch of home runs. It's a it's a bunch of singles and doubles every nice. every year. You know, it's just consistent results year after year uh, with a great team that ends up if you do it long enough ends up to something when you kind of frame it how you did. It's like wow. Look, look at where we got here. But, you know, I tell people a lot. We're on the Inc. 5,000 fastest growing privately held companies list. We've been on there like 12 out of 13 years. Awesome. We're always ranked low. We're like in the high 3,000s or low 4,000s. I'm like, where we're ranked is not impressive on the list. But the fact is we're on the list that often. That's yeah. what we are. It's consistent, the, consistent growth. The consistent. So why do people not know more about you? Because, I mean, you're obviously a star out there, but is it the industry is sort of like an unsung hero? Or, I mean, like, yeah, like how would people run across it? Yeah, it's funny. I had I had a meeting this morning and uh, people were in our relatively newer building. And like, we didn't even know this was back here. And, uh, you know, and they told our growth story. And they're, they're like, There's, like, this is just like a hidden gem. And I think part yeah. of it is our industry is a little bit of a niche industry. And um, while we we have a pretty good presence on social media, I think we tend to talk more about who we are and what we're about, even more than what we do sometimes, because uh, it's really mm -hmm. about our people and our culture and the yeah. way that we approach business. I think, oh, I know that makes us unique and has really led to the success that we've had. All right. Well, I want to dive into that, but you mentioned social media, so let's go into that. You are, I mean, from a CEO standpoint, you are, you are on Instagram and LinkedIn a lot, doing videos, sharing messages. Uh, like, what have you noticed and what's been the benefit for you from me doing that? 
Yeah, so we so I do that, and I'm encouraged by my marketing team to do that, and we and we put a, a weekly uh, video blog out that comes out every Thursday, and it's really about us just telling our story and saying this is who we are, and the things that I share are just things that I'm working on or working through or experiencing, and I share it, and I think the the real benefit is from a talent recruitment standpoint, it puts out who we are and what we're about, and we're not for everybody. And that's okay. If you hear our message and you don't agree with it or don't like it or think we're crazy or it won't last, cool. Then we're not a great fit for you. And like, doesn't mean we're right and you're wrong or you're right and we're wrong. We're just different. And that that's totally fine. But for those people that hear it and it resonates with and say, I mm-hmm. want to be part of that, or I used to be with a company that was like that. I want that back. That really helps us get our message out there as we're looking for the right people for us. And I think the other thing is that mm-hmm. I'm always sort of surprised and pleasantly surprised and I love the feedback is the amount of messages I'll get from people, some that I know, some that I don't know from different parts of the world. Now now that we're in Europe and the countries of like, your message really resonated with me. That was spot on or the timing to hear that was perfect. That always means so much for me. And and that's that's just kind of like the hidden value in the whole thing. Yeah, the personal love or the personal connection helps you keep going probably in that. And when I... And I encourage y'all to check him out. I mean, LinkedIn, of course, but but Instagram too, because this is a guy who clearly enjoys it. Like you seem like you're having a lot of fun when you're popping on, talking about something you did at work or that you learned from a customer. I just think it's really cool. Yeah, it is. You know, it is fun and uh, it's challenging. And, uh, you know, we certainly have challenges in, but I, you know, to me being in business and, and growing, running a company and scaling it, Solving interesting problems, taking on interesting challenges with smart people, with low egos who just want to do what's right and help as many as people as we can and figuring that out together and then working that through and, and going on to the next challenge. That to me is where the, you know, it's part of where the juice is at. That's the fun and the, yeah. and the whole thing. Oh, I, I enjoy that. And I'm blessed to be surrounded by so many smart, dedicated people that just want to dive in and help in any way they can. And when you said earlier, hey, my, our message may not be for everybody, and that's okay. They may not think that we're going to be around that long. And I kind of laughed. I'm like, you guys, you've been in there for 25 years. I think you guys have, I think you guys have proven yourselves. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I think one of our special traits is we always have that little bit of chip on our shoulder. Always thinking we're we're always still to prove ourselves. We're trying to get, as you mentioned, to 500 million in 2025. I'm a believer in putting big goals out there, BHAGs, as Jim Collins calls them. Oh, yeah. And uh, striving big, for audacious, that. audacious goal. Yeah. Yeah, big, hairy, audacious goal. And as we get as we get ready to achieve that, we'll throw another one out there. So it's kind of like we never feel like you've made it. You're always striving for the, for the next goal. So so you're a you're a, in a unique position to answer this question that I'm about to ask. You have been at the helm of a company of 15. And now a thousand. What is the biggest difference that you've noticed in uh, leading fifteen versus a thousand? Yeah, you know what's funny is um, a lot of it's the same. It's just at at scale. Our founder, mm-hmm. one of my mentors, Mike McCall, used to say, "It's all the same. Just add a zero at the end, and it kind of <laughs> scales. You know, whether it's revenue or number of employees or whatever it is, uh-huh. it's just add a zero and, and think about the scale from there." And so. Mm-hmm. It's really the core principles, our core values, our core objectives have been the same for over 20 years. Those haven't changed. 
Um, people are at the top of our flywheel uh, for how we think about uh, growing and scaling the business. There's always a people first mentality. And, and that stuff hasn't changed. We just had to figure out how to do it at scale across now hmm. 50 plus locations in the U.S., now into Europe. We got into Europe a couple of years ago through an acquisition. And, you know, it's the first time that we've done that. But, you know, it's great. The people, they're the same. They're, they're great people who are hungry to achieve, who want to help take great care of our customers, help work together as a team and build something special as a, as a company. And so even across borders, it's a, it's around people. Now, I worked for Honeywell, a multinational company, a long time ago, and we probably did, you know, maybe nine plus acquisitions. I don't know. A lot of acquisitions. The thing that we struggle with all the time, though, was, hey, they have their own culture. We had our have our culture. And there was always a bit of a collision of, hey, you're the new people, you know, we're of the old school, we acquired you, and there's a little bit of, of this and that going forward. I suspect with this size of company, I mean, you're when you're making all these acquisitions, you're adding a big percentage of people. So you're adding, you're basically absorbing like nine cultures, right, for, for, from this standpoint. How have you guys been successful in not just acquiring because that's just half the battle. Maybe not even yeah. half the battle. Integrating the integrating, integrating the night yeah. is is where it gets tough. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think the first thing we look for when we're uh, looking at to acquire a company is is their culture similar to us, and you know, mm -hmm. do they share the same sort of values and thoughts around how we how we take care of the customer and how we take care of each other? Mm -hmm. And a number of ours, the majority of our acquisitions have been partners with us in some way or form. So. We've gotten to know them a little bit, and we've said these. This is a great company. They're a great partner for us. They take great care of the customers. They have that that core. They might not do it exactly how we do it, you know, but but in their heart, kind of the inside, they have that willingness and the want mm. to do that. You know, not everybody does. Honestly, not not everybody does. Some people don't. You know, you've experienced some people don't put customer service for first or uh, other employees first. They put themselves first, or they whatever. There's different ways. Um, so I think that's at the core. And then we, we come alongside them, introduce them to Service mm. Express. Again, here's how we see the world. Here's how we're going to grow the company. Some people opt out. Some people are like, I don't want to do that. Or I don't want to be part mm. of a large company. And that's okay. So we, we we make that transition as seamless as possible. But there's a core in there. A number mm. of them said, man, look at the opportunities I can now have being part of this organization and at scale. And so we give everybody the opportunity to come along. And then we invest in those who really get it, uh, embrace it. And we've had a number of success stories of people who have just created tremendous careers here with Service Express. So, All right. So, so let's dive into that. You have yeah. a unique way of thinking about promoting leaders at, at Service Express. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, it, it, uh, for promotion, it goes back again, back to when I was named president in 2002. And I had a conversation with our founder and uh, talk to him about the idea of naming me president and, uh, you know, him, him uh, playing the role as our investor and letting me run the company. And he looked at me, and said, all right, you want to be president? Why don't you go out there and act like you're president? And we'll see how it goes. And so I was like, OK. And I went charging out of his office. Uh, no title. He didn't name me president. No additional compensation or comp plan. Uh, but I had permission, an opportunity to go out there. And so I went out there. And, and I think this is a 
a good lesson, I think, for new leaders in any position. I didn't run out there and start giving orders and say, I'm the president. You have to do this, do that. And you have to listen to me. I ran out. I connected with the teams and I said, how can I help? What's in your wow. way? What are the obstacles in your way? How can I remove them? How can my team help your team do better? And how do we communicate and align? And that's what I really did was run out to, to, to try to do that. And I did that for about 90 days. And he said, hey, I think this is working great and, and we'll do it. And so now when I promote internally, I'm looking for people who don't need the title to lead. I'm looking for people who don't need the title or the comp plan to have influence. In my opinion, if you're waiting for that, if you say, I can't do it unless I have the title and I need the comp, you're not really a leader or what I would call a servant leader, where leadership's not really in your heart. Because I think serp- true leaders can't help but lead. What you look at, you can pay me, you can name a title, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lead. I wanna help. You I can't, mm. I can't keep from helping. Now, we come alongside with the title and the and the pay. No one's doing this for free. Donor came along and gave me that, and it's all gone very well. But if you're leading with title and comp before action, in my opinion, that's wrong, and that doesn't get promoted here. Lead with action. Make it obvious. Mm. We have a, another great example. We had a service leader years ago. There's talk around promoting him to a to – a, he wasn't a service leader, but promoting him. And I was asking questions, and we had a debate, and, and finally his manager said, look it. We can name him leader or not. The fact is he's leading it. I don't, whatever, whatever you guys want to do, he's already leading it. So, and you know, we can decide on the title whenever. And I said, that's what I needed to hear. I'm good. Mm. Promote him. He's already the leader. We're just putting the title behind it. Very, very valuable insight there. Uh, From a personal level for leaders, don't wait. If you want to be the president, act like the president. Like, yeah. Because I think about like in a leader's mind, when they're making the decision to promote somebody, it's a risk. Like they made you president and you hadn't really served as president. That was probably a risk in their mind. And so what you did was go out like, I'm going to do president. I'm going to show you that I can do it. And then it mitigated that risk in their mind and showed them, hey, you know, hey, you're ready. So it's like, do the job first. And how great would it be if they had a team full of leaders who all acted like the president, meaning, again, not throwing their title around and not giving orders, but just saying, I'm thinking about the whole organization, everybody yeah. in here and how I can help and serve them. That's how every leader at Service Express should be thinking, by the way. Mm. So the more mm-hmm. we can do that, the better and stronger we're going to be oh, at a company. So good. It's when ego gets in the way and self gets before others. Leadership is about service to others, not about title and ego. Man, I'm just trying to imagine that conversation back in 2002. <laughs> we're cruising in there like, hey, you know, I think you'd be a good, I think you're doing a good job as the owner, but I'd like to be the president. And I'm going to walk out and I'm going to show you that I can do it. What a great, <laughs> think about this from from him. What a great move for somebody who, you know, this is, he's, he took the risk and started the company mm. uh, and, and, and had all that in there. And for him to say, okay. I'm going to turn, I'm going to lean on you and trust in you to do this. I think it's one of the big, biggest alpha moves I've ever seen an owner, an owner make, you know, and it it worked out really well for for everybody. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, uh, you know, it's one of those, you didn't know the moment it was happening until you look back on it. I was like, well, that was pretty, that was pretty significant, but it's really shaped how I've thought about promoting leaders Mm. through the company. And Here's we talk about scale, Ben. So a number of years ago, this is this is maybe going back about eight or ten years now, probably ten. I 
I got off that game a little bit. I had people come to me like we're bigger now and we get your story and it's a great story. And we're trying to tell people like do the job before you're promoted then you get the job, but we're getting bigger and it's confusing to people and we need to confusing and to people. We need levels. And so, and I was like, okay, maybe look at, maybe it is, maybe that was for a period of time when we were a smaller company. And so I got away from it. And what happened was I started seeing people being promoted who wanted the title and wanted the mm -hmm. prestige and wanted the comp, but weren't necessarily the right leaders that we are looking for. And I, and I watched how that was influencing the organization and people in it. And I, I think that, you know, by the time that all evolved was probably about a, a year and a year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. And I saw too much of it. So I finally, I'd had enough. I called a meeting with my top leaders and I said, look it, I've tried it your way. I get what you're saying. You say it's confusing. Here's what I think. It's not confusing to the right people. It's confusing to the wrong people. The right people are going to lead. Look around and see who's leading. Get them in leadership leadership positions. And everybody else who says, I want to be the title of leader, get them out of those positions. And so that's what happened. So I'm like, I'm done. We're going back to our roots. And this is how we think about it. Because again, the right people aren't confused about it at all. The right people are like, look, I'm going to lead. You can't keep me from leading. And leading is serving others. Leading is influence. Leading is helping. You can't keep the right people from doing that. And then we come along mm -hmm. with the title. And so we got back to our roots and it's, uh, you know, we, we stick towards that. Yeah. And it's just, and, and I suspect you noticed an immediate shift yes. in the mindset. Yeah. I it, mean, it's immediate. So, so powerful. And you're also attracting people to the company that want to be a part of that. that want to yeah. step up versus, Hey, w once you pick me, just wait, I'm going to be a great leader. No, just do it now. I love that. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. How do you define culture at Service Express? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. It's it's one I, I, I take a lot of, you know, have a lot of passion for because I, I think it's misrepresented. So culture at Service Express, in my opinion, is people know the work that they do matters. They mm. know the value they bring to the organization. We have a robust performance measurement system, like everything gets measured right down to the individual performance across all, all, uh, all departments. And so you know mm. you're doing valuable work, you know the work matters, and then you're recognized and rewarded for that work. That to me is culture engagement. You know, we have a care plus performance culture, meaning we put people first. And, and we need to, people need to know we care about them and they're our differentiator. That drives performance. The right people drive performance. I've seen this, I, the mistake I've seen around culture hmm. and around mm -hmm. our care plus perfor performance culture, are a couple of things. One is you go too much on performance. You just, you got to hit a number, got to hit a bottom line. That's all that's important. And you forget that people are the most important. You just drive to that number. And, you know, you can get some short-term results sometimes mm -hmm. by kind of scaring people and doing stuff, but that is no way to sustain growth that we've been doing for the past 25 years and looking to do. So you can over-index on the number and forget about the people. You also can over-index on the people and the care part and think care means everyone needs to be happy. We can't have any conflict. We can't have any disagreements. And everything's about parties uh, and celebrations and just making sure, like, no, everyone's happy. Yeah. That is not culture. In fact, when people behave that way, 
they tend to have our lowest employee engagement scores because they're not winning, right? They're just, they conflict is good. Conflict so they're is a cared for, they're feeling cared for, they're feeling safe. Yes. But they're yeah. not being, they don't feel like they're being pushed to grow and they're not ultimately winning. That's it. The, they're uh, not winning. They're not level. growing. They're not evolving. They're watching other people do that. And they're like, wait, I joined yeah. here because I also want to win. I mean, it, you got to thread that needle, right? It's a balance and it's part of the, it's part hmm. of the art, not science of it. But that's what we try to do, which is I care about, by the way, I care about you so much, Ben. I'm going to give you feedback and coaching uh, when you need it and development when you need it. And the whole key is, does that come out of a caring heart of I'm trying to help you to do better? Or does it come out of a, you know, I got you or I only care about the number. So I'm like coaching you so you can hammer a number, right? There's there's just a difference in delivery and in, in how yeah. you do that. Yeah, so, so good. Now, I know that you're a fan of speaking to college age and young young adults. And so what what are some of the strategies that when you're speaking to them, that you give them about life and career and being a professional. Yeah, I do love to do this. And I'm getting old enough now where I feel like I have some experiences or wisdom. You know, I don't know if it's wisdom. It's wisdom is really just experience. It's just like I've done there, I've made those mistakes. Um, and I, my kids are about that age. So with their friends and and uh and I have the opportunity uh to speak at Michigan sometimes, which is great. And so hmm. yeah, what I tell them is like run to the problems. The two key things, run to the problems and help people. Do that and watch how the world will open up to you. Like problems are opportunities and it's cliche, but it's true. Every challenge is an opportunity. Every problem is an opportunity that hasn't been solved. So go try to solve it. It's how I built my entire career here. It's how it's why the founder gave me the chance to be president because I was trying to solve problems, not just in my world, but in other worlds trying mm -hmm. to help. And so run to the problems. And when you're in a growing company that's scaling, there's always problems and challenges to be figured out. And by the way, it's like risk-free because they're, pro they're challenges and problems because no one's solved it yet. So go try to solve it. <laughs> and if you do, you get this reputation like, wow, Ben's really smart. Ben helped solve that. Let's get him involved in another one. And then he goes to another one. And if you don't, no one else has done it yet either. So like, where's the risk at it, right? So don't shy away. Don't be- yeah. It's not going to damage your reputation because you're just there trying to help. If it doesn't succeed, you're like, hey, at least they're trying to help. That, that's yeah. right. It's a no risk situation, in my opinion. And the way that when you run to problems, the way you typically solve them is helping people. Hmm. Again, the way you come in is to say, how can I help? What's the issue? What's happening? Where can I be helpful around here to do that? So if you run to the problems and you help people, I promise you this life will open up to you. Your career will open up to you. Great things will happen and you will stand out because that's not the majority of people that are going to do that. Hmm. So, so good. And when you're talking to people, and I, what I like that it's so universal because it's it, it's a message for the kids in school, but obviously people inside your organization. And even Everywhere. for, I mean, you've got, you've got, uh, you're your father of three. So you're probably imparting this wisdom to your kids, I suspect. I, they hear the message a lot. I don't think they listen <laughs> to my blogs much. They go, Dad, we hear it every night at the dinner table. Like, we hear it repeatedly. So we get it. <laughs> well, so starting to sort of wind this up a little bit from a work life balance standpoint. I mean, yeah. you've been on a really high role, very active. Now you're now it's a global organization. How are you thinking about work life balance with being president, CEO, being dad? 
Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because we talk about work-life balance. Uh, I've used the term work-life integration now with mm. technology. How does it come together? Uh, Jeff Bezos uses the term I like a lot, which is work-life harmony. Yeah. You know, because because uh, you look at the better we are at home, the better we're going to be at work, and the better we are at work, the better we're going to be at home. And with, especially with technology, it it does kind of blend together. Um, I think for me, with with our kids, and and I've been fortunate, they kind of grew up as the company grew. Um, so while I was busy, you know, we've expanded and my travel has probably picked up a little bit as they've gotten older. So that's been fortunate. Okay. But, yeah. you know, every sports season, we're just about to wind up. But every sports season, my wife puts all the games in my calendar. So they're all in there. Um, and so with my assistant, I talk around trying to block out when I'm in town, yeah. the games and travel time that I'll get there. And so, you know, and it evolves when the kids were young and I was coaching their teams. Or, you know, they needed rides and I had to be more available. I'd start my day earlier. You know, I'd start. Hmm. I like to do CrossFit in the morning. I'd go to 6 a.m. You know, I'd get up at 5, be, be at, doing CrossFit at 6 a.m., be at the office a little bit after 7, go through. But I'd get out earlier because I'd have to get to games and practices and take them. Now they're older. Two are off at college. Uh, the youngest has her license. She's wrapping up high school. They can get themselves around now and there's not as many games. So, and I'm getting older. So like I do like CrossFit at like 645 or seven. <laughs> so I start a little bit later, yeah. but I can go later because I don't have to get out to get to as many things. And mm -hmm, so there's mm -hmm. this rhythm of life. And I think everyone has to just what is your rhythm that allows you to be where you be the you know, if it like in my opinion was the dad, the dad that I wanted to be and involved how I wanted to be, but also had my responsibilities. And I think the other thing I'll add to that is I talked to my kids a lot through my travel and work schedule and made them a part of it. I felt like tried to make them a partner because I would say, like, I have to I have to travel. I remember my my oldest son, his senior, I had to miss it, was gonna miss a couple of games. I was a little stressed about it. my travel was a little heavier. And he's like, uh, Dad, let's see, you can be the CEO and be in Florida in January or like one of my basketball games on a Tuesday. He's like, uh, go to Florida. You know, it's kind of like it was cool. It's kind of like giving me the permission and they get yeah. to a certain age where they do that. And I think it's okay for them to see you work a little bit and, you know, to, to model that. So it's different hmm. for everybody, but that's how I've thought about it. And, uh, I think it's, it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. Some really great examples. I think a lot of leaders listening can probably relate to it. And one of the things I, was, I thought was, you know, you were very proactive about it, getting everything scheduled, Early, you know, the schedule comes out, get the get the times plugged in and try to work around with and you were really modifying your day. You're waking up a little earlier because you were prioritizing being there, but you don't want to give up your workout. So you're really trying to to make it all work and being careful with you know with your planning. And then I love the part about engaging them too lot too often. I think leaders keep they don't talk business at home. They don't the kids maybe don't really understand what their parents doing and so involving in the travel schedule and having that conversation helps them understand. Yeah, I think it's worked out. You know, it's really about being intentional about your schedule and and every leader should do that anyways. We should be looking at our schedule and being intentional, what meetings am I in? Who am I connecting with? Am I in the meetings? Am I only doing what only I can do? And the other stuff, mm -hmm. am I empowering other people to do that? You can take it all on and be a micromanager and get buried in a hurry. Right. And so I think it just is part about being very intentional about your day, your week, your planning, where you're where you're going to insert yourself and, and where you're not going to. Uh, and it evolves. And so it's always evolving. So you have to look at it uh, constantly. I love it. Well, Ron, what is your final thought for our listeners today? My final thought, I, you know, I don't know. It's it's I think, you know, if you're talking about leadership again, I've talked about servant leadership. 
running to the problems and helping people. I just think, you know, the, the world can't have enough of that in, in every in every shape or fashion. Doesn't mean you have the egos, by the way. By the way, I have a little bit of an ego, but we try to put the ego for the company, put the ego for others. You know, what's yeah, your, like kind of your purpose? The company has a purpose. What do you want to do? Um, and I think go hmm. around that. And again, this is my way. This is how we built Service Express. This is who I've surrounded myself with. Could be other ways. You got to pick the way that's right for you, but this is how we do it. This is how I do it. And uh, it's worked so far. So we're going to, we're going to keep riding it uh, going forward. Yeah. Keep going. You know, we'll have to interview you again as you add the next hundred million. I mean, you're, that might be next year. So you got two more. (laughs) See, one year, right? This time next year, we'll be, we'll move it on to the next million and see if anything changed. You know, it took me about 20 years to get to the first hundred million. And now oh. we've done that two more times in the last three years. And so it's interesting. Uh, again, add a zero, like uh, like our founder said, just just add a zero and, and keep scaling well, up. Well, Ron, keep adding. It's working for you. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks man. man. I appreciate it. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.